Welcome to Mi'kmaq Matters, a podcast about the Mi'kmaq people and the Halibut First Nation. I'm Glenn Wheeler. Some are trying to get in, some are trying to get out. That's the story of the Halibut First Nation these days. 80,000 people want membership and didn't get it. Cue the litigation. But the people of Flat Bay are looking for the exit. Rather than being stuck in the straitjacket of Halibut membership, where they're just one more community, they want to be an independent band, able to control their own destiny. People in Flat Bay say they are not like the other 66 Mi'kmaq communities identified in the Halibut Agreement. Virtually everyone in the community is Mi'kmaq, and the band council is the local government. There is no town council. But there's also no core funding for band operations or for economic development. The band council is in a perpetual process of grant application to keep things going. Flat Bay's independence aspirations became public in the last week or so, but the separation talk has been going on for a couple of years now. In fact, Halibut Chief Brendan Mitchell has been in on the discussions and has supported the idea in meetings with the Government of Canada. But what impact would Flat Bay separation have on the Halibut Band? There are some on Halibut Council who would only be too pleased to see Flat Bay go, since they feel Flat Bay and the Bay St. George area tried to dominate cultural development. They feel the Halibut Band did not get due recognition at the recent powwow on Flat Bay. They complained that while the Halibut contributed $7,000 to the event, Chief Mitchell was slighted in the veterans ceremony at the powwow, shuffled to the side and given no role in handing out the awards. But Elder Calvin White, a former chief in Flat Bay, says the separation discussion is not meant to be a slight of the Halibut. It's just that the aspirations of Flat Bay cannot be realized in the current arrangement. I asked Elder White what brought the independence talk out of the shadows right now, how he expects matters to unfold, and the impact of separation on Flat Bay and on the Alibu Band. At at this point, it's uh, it's a discussion, and it's not a discussion that that while it's uh, while it just recently um, became public, it's a discussion that's been ongoing for quite a while now. Actually, what had happened is at the time of the formation of at the of the Halibu and looking at the uh, and, and looking at the programs uh, and services that were uh, put in place uh, for the creation of the ban, it was realized that a community such as Flat Bay, which is a total Aboriginal community, with the exception of one or two families, and has been practicing and carrying out the responsibility of, self, of self-government since its time of origin, that uh, there wasn't any consideration, or or if there was consideration, there certainly wasn't a negotiated process to take care of the needs of our community. Our community is, is different than other communities that have an Aboriginal population living into it. And just to give you an example, Glenn, is that uh, when somebody in Flat Bay turns on the tap and there's no water, uh, they don't call a town council or they don't call a local service district because there's neither a town council or a lo- local service district in the community. They call the band council. The right. band council is the form of government here in this community and has always been, as I said. So what happened was is that 
when we uh, when we reviewed the 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 the, the availability of programs negotiated by the federation to for the uh, for Hollywood we we didn't see anything there that would meet the needs of our community as such uh so at that time we looked at well how how and what can we do to try to make sure that the survival of our community and the needs of our community are met uh of course in accordance with the federal government's responsibility to aboriginal people and aboriginal communities uh we uh we talked to uh we talked to Hollywood about this um actually we had a crisis about 2 years ago when our artesian well which is supplies the water in the community collapsed and uh we then approached Hollywood and said well what can you do for us they didn't have any program in place they didn't have any negotiated policies in place with the federal government to deal with us we then contacted the federal government and asked what they could do for our community because we're a 99% registered uh people and living in an aboriginal identified as an aboriginal community and uh what their reply to us was well there are only one band in Newfoundland outside of Con River and that's uh, Hollywood therefore uh what programs and services we have for to deliver to the island people uh, in Newfoundland um are with the Hollywood and since flat bay is not a legal entity ban uh we can't deal directly with you if what did you do with your what did you do with your well well what we did with our well fortunate enough we negotiated with the provincial government and the provincial government uh, saw the the crisis that we were facing and uh you know after coming into the community and and after much discussions with them uh they they saw fit to uh give us a one-time funding to deal with the crisis and mm. uh Lord and behold thank God they uh, they provided that that that's funding and we corrected the system uh, you know by by putting the the uh, the new well into into service and we had it taken care of but getting back again to the to the to the discussions about going our own way is that at this point in time we're saddled by our connection to Hollywood federal government um, doesn't have a legal route to deal with with Flat Bay as a community standalone because we're legally not a band we are mm-hmm. members of Hollywood so the discussion is something that's been happening for a couple of years now and we had been um we had been and have been exploring uh the the possibilities of uh of of going alone if if that's what it's going to take like we and, we, we and has something it. happened in the last little while to make the discussion bubble up uh, more to the top i i i think there might have been because what had happened was is that uh, we had we had discussions with the uh uh with the federal government and we had discussions with the uh, with the with the chief with chief Mitchell and we talked about you know uh how can we address this situation and one of the things that we asked for is that even if you could give us some core funding 
because we don't get any money from anywhere. The, the, the money that our community survives on uh, is the, the through the initiative of our chief, who who taps into ev- to whatever programs uh, we qualify for that are available to every other Canadian. As a program mm-hmm. comes online from either the federal government or the provincial government, our, our chief and her team works you know diligently to uh, get applications in there and to tap into those programs. The 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 small percentage of administration fees that are associated with those programs, uh, which takes care of a lot of the development in, in the community, are the only funding that are used for the upkeep of the office and that, you know, heat and lights and insurance and all of those things and staffing and those things that need to be done. So what we really need is we need some type of a core budget in order to keep those people in place to make sure that the ongoing undertakings of our ban can uh, can continue. And now what we've realized, and we realized this a while ago, but we weren't sure if we were ready for it, is that uh, we can't survive on program funding. What we need to do is we need to get into economic development. We need to look at long-term revenue-generating projects. The, the, the sad part of these projects that we have been utilizing is that we're not allowed to generate revenue. So it's not like being able to access a project, put some economic development uh, ventures in place through that project, and then generate some revenue. You you can't generate revenue from these funding programs. So uh, getting back to answer your question, I guess, of why this all of a sudden rose up is because we contacted the federal government, asked for some direct funding, and also contacted uh, Mitchell, who agreed to support us, and he has supported us in our initiative, to see if something could be done for the community. Um, And I think what raised this is that there was no secrecy about that that discussion, and, uh, and some people... Uh, looked at it as if there was some either some favoritism or some special consideration being given to the community of Flat Bay, which is which is not the case because our situation, as I explained earlier, our situation is totally different to any other Aboriginal people living in any other community on the island of Newfoundland. All of the people living in other areas live either under uh, they live under a, a a city municipal government or they live under a town council government. They all live under institutes that take care of their everyday needs different to the community of Flat Bay. Did you get any indication from uh, Chief Mitchell whether he or the ban would support the separation of uh, Flat Bay into its own well, we, 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 uh, yes, we did. We talked to Mitchell. We, we, uh, we never went as far as talking to the ban about it because it was a preliminary discussion. And, uh, and Mitchell, uh, uh, was very upfront with us and said, you know, that, uh, he said, I can, I can lend my support, but, uh, you have to realize that this would have to go before council and council would have to, uh, would have to sign off on, uh, on any such undertaking. And, and, Rightfully so, and we appreciate that. But he uh, he certainly indicated uh, in meetings uh, with government, he indicated his support for the community of Flat Bay. He also indicated and articulated very strongly his understanding of the Flat Bay situation, which was different than the other areas that has an Aboriginal population in that he's responsible for serving. So if you did uh, go your own way, how would the... Um how would status cards uh, work? Because right now, people's status cards uh, are 
uh, via the Halapu band. So would the car would there had to be a separate agreement, and uh, and uh, so that uh, membership would be directly in the flat bay band and not through the the Halibu. No, this could only take place after the registration um, uh, fiasco. I'll call it what is in place right now is is completed. It's not something that could happen tomorrow or the next day. And the process, as I understood it, and 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 did quite a bit of research onto it, had some legal advice onto it, is that there are provisions in the in the Indian Act for band separation. And what happens is that we would have to make application to the uh, to the Department of Indian and Northern Affairs uh, for to uh, be given a charter uh, of a uh, of a band, uh, which would mean there would be another band in Newfoundland. What would happen is that we would also have to make we would also have to hold a referendum in the community to give people who are members of Olibu the the option to either chose to join the new band that would be created. This case would be I don't know the name because we've never got to that point, but it would be a flat bay band. They would be given the option as to their choice after joining that band. Uh, the other thing that would need to be done is that we would have to ask. Hollybo and council to present a BCR, which is a band council resolution, as to their agreements to allow that portion of the membership who choose to do so to become members of the Flat Bay Band. So it's it's uh, it's it's taking the members who who are the Flat Bay people out of Hollybo and transferring them to the new band that would be created at the time. Now, we're not, you know, this is not going to happen tomorrow. It's not going to happen next week. It might not even happen for two, three years down the road. It might not even happen. But we are at a point where we are discussing discussing the options based, as I said earlier, on the need for the community of Flat Bay to have something different than what is there now to take care of our future needs. Yes. I wonder, in addition to the the funding challenges that you have not being a, uh, a town council or a band, in addition to those financial matters, how do people on Flat Bay feel about being part of the Halibu band? Because uh, Flat Bay people have had their own history and have lived a big mile life uh, from, as you say, since the um, since there has been a Flat Bay and. All of a sudden, you're in a, a very large pool of people with a, a much different experience than people in Flat Bay, and um, people in Flat Bay feel part of of Halibu, or does it feel something a little bit foreign to uh, people's experience of Flat Bay? Well, you know, I'll have to be honest with you. From 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 the feedback that I've been getting from from not all people but from a lot of people is that is that uh people really feel that we have been left out of what the motivation of the aboriginal movement was all about when it started in the 70s and as you well know and many people know is that you know Con River and Flat Bay are the cornerstones of this organization it was two 
identified Aboriginal communities with strong documentation supporting the the the, uh, the people's identity. Uh, ours in the case of the 1945 census, where every family in the community identified themselves as First Nation people. And of course, Con River, very much the same thing, with a long history and an identity of uh, being an Aboriginal community. And not only based on the historical documentation that we were successful in researching once we started our, our quest for, for, for um, documentation, but an identity that was carried on by our neighboring communities. People always looked at our people and our communities as an Aboriginal community. So even without documentation, we had carried an identity for generations uh, in the minds and in, and in the speech and actions of, our, of other neighboring communities. Um, so people felt here in our community, people felt that we should be, you know, on par and, and equivalent to what was happening in other Aboriginal uh, communities right across the country, including Con River. When the final agreement was signed, uh, which Olibu and Federation of Newfoundland Indians entered into, and Olibu was formed to find out that the only benefits were there was, you know, tax break if you drive your vehicle to Con River and health care and some education funding. Our people really felt that the true responsibility of the federal government that it should have assumed in 1949 was still not being applied to our community. And our community had waited so long for justice, but justice was still not being served. And, and, and they felt that perhaps we should not have been rolled into, you know, 50, 60, 70, 80, how many uh, thousand people that are out there because the needs were different based on the history of the community and, and, the, and the identity that had been brought forth with that community. Mm. So what, what more would people on Flat Bay have wanted from the agreement uh, uh, a designated uh, reserve rather than landless status, or, or no? We never. We uh, you know the, the discussion of reserve came up many times. I you know I, my, I I was chief here for a number of years, and and I still do some work with the with the band, and I, and I work very closely with the chief and council, and and the word the, the word reserve had come up on a number of occasions, and we talked at it, but we looked we looked in the future, we looked beyond the reserve system because we were you know we we were privy to what was. happening happening across this country. I sat on the uh, on, on the Assembly of First Nations for a number of years. And by the way, we are still a member of the Assembly of First Nations. Hollywood belongs to the non-status movement in Canada, which is the Congress of Aboriginal People. The community of Flat Bay does not, does not associate with the Congress of Aboriginal People. We sit on the Assembly of First Nations. We're a member of the, of the, of the Assembly and has been right. since the year 2000. Uh, so so we, we looked at... We looked at, at what was the direction and where we should be going. We've known for a number of years now, for about 30 years, uh, sitting at that table, look at what's happening across across the country. We knew that uh, we know that uh, the reserves was not a good system. It's something that people are stuck with and they can't get out of it until they find another avenue. But we also were privy to the discussions that centered around self-government. And, and we looked at that as as a greater option than a reserve. Uh, it'll, it'll, you know, you don't bring this the, the, this the stigma that is brought 
to the designation of a reserve with you and and it gives you much more freedom to partner and to and to uh and to develop uh and in into uh, with your long-term planning and and your economic uh development partnerships that you will be able to put in place so we looked at indian self-government as the uh, as the tool that we would have liked to bring to our community, and that's still our ambition today. Mm. Let me finally ask you what what you think the impact on the Alibu ban would be if uh, if Wapay, uh were uh, were on its own. Uh, I I appreciate that uh, Chief Mitchell has been supportive of the idea in principle, but uh, as you say, Flatbay is the heart of Mi'kmaq history and culture in Western Newfoundland, at least. And if that were taken out of the Halibu ban, what, what would be left of the Halibu ban if Flatbay were not there? It would seem that um, it would be uh, it would still have lots of numbers, but something very important would be a loss from the Halibu ban if Flatbay were not part of it. Now, we, we, we don't look at it that way. We, you know, we, we believe and we've demonstrated, I think, if you want to look at the history of Flat Bay, we demonstrated that in, in, you know, in 1981 or 82, I think it was, when Con River chose to pull out of the Federation of Newfoundland Indians and go in on its own, that we had the option at the time of uh, pretty much doing the same thing had we wanted to. But, uh, Looking back at uh, at where we were and uh, and the mindset of still yet today is that we realized that a great majority of families throughout the western part, in particular of the island of Newfoundland, uh, have originally connected to Flat Bay. They come from Flat Bay. The, the, that's where the origin, the grassroots started, and um, and and. You know, and, and we always had a connect to some degree with those people, and uh, and I'm sure that the, the willingness for that connect would still be there. So things such as you know your cultural development and your uh, you know, of course the powwow was a Bay Saint George event. It's not a Flat Bay event. It just happens to be held in the community of Flat Bay because we developed the, the, the you know the, the 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 land and the resources to be able to do that. Uh, and and the volunteer system is here, and the whole the whole of Bay Saint George contributes to that. Um, so uh, as far away as Burjo, so so we don't see it as, the, as that having any negative impact on the Hollywood. Uh We see we see you know we see lots of room for partnership. We uh, especially in cultural development, uh, we see room for partnership probably even in economic development. Uh, but the thing about it is that the situation as it is is that we do not have the core funding that is necessary to allow us to continue and uh, the la- that long-term planning can't take place. The planning can take place, but the implementation of the planning can't take place while you're dependent on project to project. The other thing that I need to, to, to tell you is that we've spent the last 40 years investing and asking our people to invest in education. We now have a wealth of young people. We have a resource that every community needs when you're talking about long-term development, but now we're losing that resource because our people, we educate them and export them. Mm. And and we need to be able to keep them. We need to be able to bring those people home. We need to be able to bring them back to the community of Flat Bay. So not only can they enhance the development that we propose and vision in Flat Bay, but they can also contribute 
to the rest of the development of Aboriginal people in this province. But if once we export them, and we've been doing that for too long now, uh, what happens is that once they start their families uh, and they get to a certain age where they end up having grandchildren, we're not going to be able to get them back because that's the draw. Like family ties are strong in every culture, but probably even more so in Aboriginal culture. People just don't give up on their children and their grandchildren and especially their great-grandchildren. So our young people that we're exporting now, uh, once they get their families settled, whether it's in Fort Mac or Saskatchewan or wherever the case may be, those people are not going to be able to come back. We have seen people try that. They've come home, they've built houses, they stayed for a year, the draw of their grandchildren took them back out of the province to where their children were living. And we realized that that's a reality. So what we need to do is we need to bring young people in so they can start their families here and have a future here. Elder Calvin White. I contacted Chief Brendan Mitchell about his role in the separation talks, but he was not available for comment. Before we go, an update on our interview last week with lawyer David Rosenfeld on the class action he's initiated. After the interview, there were questions about whether it is legally possible to seek financial damages in face of Bill C-25, passed by the Harper government and kept in place by the Trudeau Liberals, which states that no person can seek damages for being omitted or removed from the Halibu ban list. Rosenfeld says C-25 is a hurdle, but his opinion is that the bill is narrowly worded and he can get around it. There was also a question about whether litigants could be on the hook for legal costs if they lose. No, says Rosenfeld. Under federal court rules, the winning party cannot seek costs. And that's it for the show. Thanks to Alison Baker for assistance here in the studio. Celebration time used with permission of Migma artist Marcus Goss. Follow us on Twitter, listen on SoundCloud, subscribe on iTunes, or catch us on Bay of Islands Radio, B-O-I-R dot C-A, 6 p.m. on Thursday. And check out our new Facebook page, facebook.com slash Matters. I'm Glenn Wheeler. Till next time.